Craig tells us he's recording, and then after that I say, Welcome to the Yang Gang Roundtable. It's 1.36 p.m. Saturday, September 12th. I am here with Hexel Colorado, the head of Humanity Forward Texas. Is that right, Hexel? Yes, that's correct. Oh, good. I got it right. Thank you. Well, welcome to the show. Uh, we're UBI advocates. I understand that our co-producer, Faye Koo, invited you here. We're very happy to have you. My name is Shale Riley. Uh, I see to the right... We have uh, Karen, actually one of our newest kind of regular speaker. So, uh, and uh, we also have Ariel, uh, Faye, Doni, and Mia. Uh, my brother Devin is here, but he's not really here. He's just helping us out with the Twitch stream. So, thank you, Devin. Really appreciate that. And um, we are a basic income advocacy podcast. We talk about poverty, basic income, and electoral politics with a mind to the current news cycle. So, there's always something going on. Um, with with that in mind, uh, would you, Hexel, like to open the conversation on anything that's on your mind, or would anyone have anything else they'd like to talk about to start? Yeah, well, I could talk about, you know, the basic income march that's coming up in just a few days. Uh, if we have any listeners in Texas, especially in North Texas, lend me your ears. Um, September 19th is a national second annual basic income march that's organized by Income Movement. And Texas is taking part in a big way because we have uh, at least two and possibly three. I, I have yet to hear from Houston, but they're kind of finalizing their plans. Uh, but Dallas-Fort Worth is having a car parade slash march. And Austin is having a community art collage project on the corner of Congress and 6th Street. And so if you live in Texas, then please, please, please come out and support these events. We have people driving from Longview, Texas, which is two uh, hours away. Uh, Faye Koo, who lives in, like, she lives, like, three hours away, and she's driving to Dallas to uh, take part in this. Um, and we're, we're part, we've partnered, of course, so Humanity Forward Texas is organizing this event, but we've also partnered with Movement for People's Party and, of course, Income Movement to put this on. Um, I'm very excited because... You know, this year there has not been many events that we can do in person. We've done all these events over Zoom. Uh, but, you know, we're taking social distancing seriously. That's why we're having a car parade in the first place. And I'm just really excited for this to be the, uh, the first big event uh, for Humanity for Texas, advocating for universal basic income in 2020. And so this is our opportunity as a movement to plant our flag and say, we're here, we want universal basic income. We're not just because our, you know, presidential candidate, you know, suspended his campaign doesn't mean we're going anywhere. We are, you know, we're in it to win it and um, basic income that is. And whatever coalition and partnership and action we need to take, we're ready to do that. Uh, We have a, there's, I I don't know if Faye has shared this uh, with this podcast before, but she was a big part of it. Um, we have a number of feathers under our cap as Humanity Forward Texas. Um, we are not left or right forward, right? So we're bipartisan, nonpartisan. We don't align with any single party, but we do have a lot of Democrats within our group. And so for the Democratic State Convention, what we did was everyone who was a Democrat in our group registered to be delegates to the state convention. And we wrote two resolutions on universal basic income and ranked choice voting. 
We got those two resolutions submitted and approved at 20 different senatorial districts across the state. And we went to the con we went to we went to the virtual convention and we got universal basic income and ranked choice voting added to the official state party platform. And so now we have that mandate, that impetus within the official party to push and make universal basic income happen. And, you know, the p platform's not, you know, legislation, you know, that's, that's, you know, that doesn't change the law. But what that does do is now when we reach out and go to these other groups and these other clubs and we, you know, and they happen to be democratic clubs or democratic groups, we can point to the, their, their platform and say, look, this is not just some fly by night random thing. This is officially part of what we believe in. Uh, or what you believe in as a party. And so that gives us that mandate, that impetus, and that ammunition to reach out and broaden our coalition, broaden our base, and reach out to new people. And so that's something that's been on the Democratic front. I just had a conversation with someone last night on the Republican, and he said, Hexel, I'm so excited for the car parade. I'm going to be there, but I'm going to be there in full Trump gear. And at first, like, you know, I, I think I have a good, I mean, I mean, you know, if, if I, I know how I feel about Trump, uh, I can guess what a lot of the people on this podcast may feel about Trump. So at first, my reaction inside was like, well, I don't know uh, if I like that or how I feel about that. But I know we are not left, not right forward. And if someone from Trump campaign wants to join, then we're, I'm going to welcome him with open arms. And, and then I had this idea. I thought, you know, if you're going to do that, let's double down on it. Because I know that there are Republicans, Trump's, now that I know there's a Trump supporter, I know that there's Republicans, Libertarians, Conservatives, and of course, Yang Gang people, and then of course, Liberals, Democrats, you know, Bernie supporters, Movement for People's Party. We're going to have the whole spectrum of people there. If you're going to wear your Trump gear, would you be willing to appear in a photo op with representatives from the entire political spectrum and be there in your Trump hat, in your Trump shirt, join join arms, if you will, with these other groups. And he was like, hell yeah, let's do it. <laughs> hell yeah. That is how you so, made. That is really smart. And so that yeah. is something that I'm looking really forward to is this opportunity to show, look, this is not a left, this is not a right issue. Everybody's coming around to support universal basic income. And, you know, well, I, yeah. I personally have my qual big qualms against Trump, but if this is our opportunity yeah. for he unity, Hexel. then I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah, Hexel, uh, uh, th this is really important. Like, one, here, here's how I, I, I bridge the gap between uh, liberal and conservative. I say, like, okay, so you're conservative, and you think, like, socialism is terrible, right? And then they're like, oh, yeah, like, socialism is bad. And then I'm like, okay, well, then... Didn't we have socialism in 2008 when we bailed out all those, like, big companies with, like, all of our tax dollars? Didn't we have socialism right here, right now in 2020 when the Fed just, like, pumped up money to, like, buy out all these stocks? And they're like, yeah. And then we're like, okay, so so is it really socialism when you get your money back from all of those failed experiments? So just paint UBI as, like, a refund for 2008 and 2020 and they'll be on board <laughs> oh yeah i mean you're absolutely right that's the exact same you know well not exact same thing but like every point that you've touched on i say the same thing uh especially living in texas there's a lot of conservatives a lot of republicans 
And this guy who's coming in his Trump gear, and I, I appreciate that he kind of gave me a heads up because he's like, look, like this, this is who I am. That's what I believe in. But I'm, I'm giving you a heads up because I know you and I respect you. And I, I also don't want to get mauled <laughs> when I'm there, but I want to show up and support. And so what I love about this particular guy was he was actually present at the very first Dallas Yang Gang. So he's actually an original Yang Gang guy. And so I think what's valuable about someone who's very open about his particular stance in that regard is that in addition to the talking points you gave, it can also come from someone in that boat, someone who is a Trumper or who is Republican. I was. It's, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And so if, well, there's if, one if, in if LA. Like, you don't have to take my word for it, you can take your fellow Trump supporter, fellow Republican as well. And, and there's the biggest of all, Trumper for Yank. I mean, it, it says it in his name. He's, like, on Twitter. He started a YouTube oh, channel and yeah. all these things. So, so I mean, just, just expose them to that. Because it's, it's, like, it's, like, it's the same broken record from all the other progressives and all the other Democrats. Like, orange man, bad, orange man, bad. It's, like, okay, but what do you have to offer? It's, like, no, we're not offering anything. We just think, like, Trump sucks. That's it. It's like, okay, Trump sucks. Are you offering anything? No. So, so it's like, what do you expect? <laughs> so I'll take a moment real quick to come back to the basic income march and say that I am, um, I am very grateful to people like you who do the work to organize these kinds of events. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that that does get touched on before we, you know, uh, circle too far away from it for it to make any sense. And yeah. uh, you, you are right. a wonderful asset to the Yang Gang. Thank you for your work. Well, thank you. I have one more thing for Basic Income March to plug. Um, so if you live in North Texas or Texas in general and plan on coming to an event, please go to basicincomemarch.com and register. Uh, not only because it makes me happy uh, to see people register in advance. It's, uh, I mean, if you show up without registering, we love that too. But uh, it's important that you register so that the world around us can also see, oh, this is really happening. Because there is a snowball effect when it comes to registration. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is, if you want to help the Basic Income March happen, like if you want to help us make it a big success, even if you don't live in Texas or can't make it on that day, you can go to humanityforwardtexas.org. And the latest blog post is how to support the Basic Income You've lost audio, Axel. We can't hear you. We can't yeah. hear you, Have we, oh. we? You've got no audio. Oh, wait. I think you're back. You're back. Is Axel, he? please say something. Hmm. No audio. Wait, for really? I'm going to come back. You're back now. No, we oh, hear okay. you. Not, not, hey. not well, <laughs> okay. He'll come back, as promised. How's everyone else doing? Uh, um, I, I wanted to chime in on something though like LA is also having one of these uh, so on the 19th as well I'm going to be attending that one with my vehicle so I'm looking forward to it uh, but like some of these ideas I wonder if they're doing in LA so I think I might like want to I don't know, hey, can you know. You now? <laughs> yeah I yeah think we can, can hear you now Oh, sorry about yeah. that. Did I cut out earlier? Right when I was in the middle of saying yeah, and then you came. <laughs> you came back at the last second. We heard you say you're going to go and come back. And... Oh, okay. Well, okay. I'll, I'll get a very quick point just in case I get dropped again. <laughs> if you go to humanityforwardtexas.org, the very last blog post is how to support the basic income march in 2020, and I've listed all of the tasks or almost all the tasks that need to be done. We need support volunteers for the phone tree. 
We need people to share on social media. We need people to help with even some of the logistical planning and preparation, uh, equipment, uh, content creation. So if anyone wants to help make this a big success, go to the web our website, check out the blog, look at that list and find something you can do. And if there's something that you can do, con the, 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 my contact information as well as the other organizers' contact information for Austin, Texas, our information is there. Shoot us an email, give us a call, send us a text, and say, I want to do this, or I want to do, I want to do that. And we will, we will add you to the team. Uh, we will recognize you as a team member, and you know, we can use all the help we can get. So if you want to support, make sure you register that you're coming, and check out our website to see what way you can help us get ready. Cool. That's it. That's all I wanted to share before I got cut off. Yeah. Um are you, are you uh, connected with um, other states as well? Because I know LA is doing one, right, on the 19th as well. And I'm attending that one. And there's organizers for that. Do you guys communicate to other? Because I think your idea with all the different, um, you know, candidate supporters coming to this march, I mean, it would normalize it in a way that, like, uh, with any new thing, if you act like it's normal, everyone's going to follow your cue. Like, oh, I, I guess this is okay now. Okay, right? And then maybe they feel more brave to do it themselves. So, I mean. Yeah. So, if you, and, and any, whether you want, you're organizing your own or you just want to get, you know, get filled in, um, every Monday, although, you know, next Monday is the last Monday. So every Monday, there's a uh, leader call. Uh, so all of the state leads or, you know, all the people who are organizing an event in their state uh, jump on this call. We get to talk directly with uh, state Stacy Rutland who, from Income Movement. And so um, I can share the Zoom link with anyone who wants to participate in that. So again, my contact info is on our website, humanity4texas.org. And if you want to join in on that Zoom call, then you can say, hey, Hexel, uh, send me the invite. I want to see what that's like, and I can share it with you. Uh, and to answer your question, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really, you know, just the organizing process for this Basic Income March has been really great because it does exactly what you said. It's a, given us an opportunity to work together as state leads, just like we did back in the Yang campaign, and for us to share ideas. Um, I mean, I've never, or, I've organized events before, but I've never organized a car parade before. And so being able to, you know, link up with people who've done this before and have experience to share has been extremely valuable. So the idea about like someone representing the different, you know, points in the political spectrum that just happened last night. And, but you bet I'm bringing that up uh, on the Monday call because okay. I just think it's magical. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, but I think other people should also know that you can just grab one or two friends and some window paint. And just go around with your own vehicle uh, and do it, too. I did it. Um, so uh, I'm fully nomadic, by the way, and I have been for over a year and a half at this point. Um, and so I was in Portland, Oregon, and I got one person to join me. But, we, you know, we drove around and honked our horns and had my puppet out the window, you know, trying to get attention. Right. Because, like, you know, people are going to pay attention to something that's odd. Right. Uh, but then. Um, yeah, and I also uh, been to I feel like oh, and then and then I went to like a legit one in Portland, Oregon, because I like started in Vancouver, Washington, drove to Portland, and then I um, did, uh, but like then there was an actual organized one, and 
there wasn't a lot of traffic where we were going, but it was beautiful what they did. Right. Um, and, uh, so I feel like with this whole pandemic, there might not even be a lot of people out, but I don't know, like in, in LA where I think they're planning to do it, I believe there's a lot of homeless people, right? Like, so I, I find oh, yeah. that fascinating, you know? Well, it's like we got to point, which is that people, and rightfully so, are not out as much as they norm- would have been this time last year. Um, and so we try to consider that. Uh, we, so I just finished the walkthrough this morning, right? And we tried to identify those few hotspots where people are still kind of milling about or hanging around or maybe it's, a re- you know, along the restaurants or there's patios or the park or, um, you know, yeah, like you said, where city, you know, where homeless people hang around. And one big area that we found is immensely high impact because of the footprint or the foot traffic is train stations. So you still have people, you know, now granted it's, you know, that's a very uh, kind of a spready, you know, location in terms of the virus. But nonetheless, people still have to get around, you know, because, you know, for better or for worse, you know, I have my issues with it, but Texas has started to reopen, which means people, you know, lower class and middle income people have to go to work. They have to get around town. And so now you still have, you have at the major train stations and bus stops, you have a lot of people who are moving around. And most of the people at this public transit are people who would massively benefit from a basic income. And so we plan our route to cut right through all of those major intermodal like transportation areas so that the people who can really need to see what we're doing and what we're about can, can see what we're doing. That's really awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I, I hadn't thought about the whole train station thing because, uh, you know, um, when I was in the Portland one that was actually like organized, you know, they, they just went around, I think it was like City Hall, right? Uh, and um, maybe it was City Hall. Anyway, so like nobody was there, though. It was on a weekend, right? And it was just like, that doesn't seem like that's very effective. You know, I, it's fun. Don't get me wrong. And, you know, uh easier to make a ruckus but like i don't know i think train stations are brilliant <laughs> different kind of target though yeah yeah we definitely try to think about where people actually are now we also pass through city hall and but in my mind like passing through city hall is really more of a what's the word um check mark or check box like like if you're going to do something political demonstration then you know, there's there's this unspoken rule that you have to go to City Hall. But it's because of that unspoken rule that um, I have no idea what other demonstrations are going on. But, like, if anyone, because of this unspoken rule that every demonstration has to be either at or pass through City Hall, then when we have our event, if there happens to be another group also demonstrating that same weekend, then there's a greater chance of us crossing paths. Um, that literally cool. happened today, this morning. We were walking past City Hall, you know, just previewing the route, and there was a singular guy, and props to him for, like, you know, you don't need a crowd to, you know, make, to start a conversation and, and demonstrate. But there was this guy who was holding a sign that said, End Slavery. And uh, and, he was, and then we were passing by, and he gave us, us his spiel about how, you know, how many people are in dentured servitude 
around the world. So he gave his thing. And, and so, you know, that's something that happened just on our preview walk, right? Just meeting other people. And then we told him, like, well, we are preparing for the Universal Basic Income March. And he was like, oh, you guys at UBI? Oh, I know all about that, too. And he, he started, like, quoting, like, McKinsey, like, 50% of jobs being automated away. It's like, oh, dude, like, I don't know if you, you know, like, he was like, he was like, Andrew Yang ran on this, you know, and even though he didn't win, it's still important. Like, oh, dude, do you see the math hat? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, so that's the main reason we would pass through City Hall is kind of like a obligation to, but there's a slight chance that we'll run into other people who will be sympathetic to what we're about. People who are already activists, right? <laughs> yeah. I um, mean, okay. that, yeah, it spreads a circle. I would, I would like to um, make, okay, so I'm making a documentary, okay, and I think it would be amazing to have either aerial footage or video footage. If you guys have any that you want to send my way, that'd be helpful. I'm going to try and get some of LA, uh, but, like, if we could, like, talk to these leaders of all these different areas and have them do it i'm sure like just anybody could stream all those together and just like put like location things and just like bam i think it would be very powerful message to see that there are people doing this uh just an oh, idea yeah absolutely <laughs> no yeah in fact one of the things i want to do and i'm going to bring it up at the next lead meeting um i haven't I hadn't brought it up before because we were i was I don't want to get on too much of a tangent, but long story short, there was some confusion in the early days. So originally, I was not the organizer two weeks ago. It's only been in the last week that I took the reins of it and tried to like kind of double time hustle to get this pulled together. Um, so I haven't really had a chance to talk to the other leads about this. But what we're planning for our car parade is a live audio stream so that people who are in the cars can listen while you know, they're driving, not watching while they're driving. Obviously, we want their eyes on the road, but something that they can maybe even turn up the radio so that people can hear outside of the car. And what I'd like to do is get more people who are leaders in the movement as well as leaders on basic income to give speeches and or yeah, speeches or feels about basic income and about the movement and about the importance of this. What I think would be really awesome is if we can intersplice a mix of like the high profile leaders, like obviously Andrew Yang or, you know, Scott Santins and all these other people. But also if we can intersplice leaders on the grassroots level. And so what would be really cool is if here in the Dallas March, if we can get like the Los Angeles guy person organizer to say, Hey, basic income Dallas, we're here basic income Los Angeles, walking right with you, even though we're in another city. We're here with you, and you know this is across the nation. Know that you're not alone. That would be really cool if during the live stream we can show we can connect with each other during our events, even though we're thousands of miles apart. Have you guys emailed any news channels? So we have our hit list, but I haven't done it quite yet. And I've been kind of putting pressure on people to register on the official page because I'm waiting for us to hit our minimum goal. Of registrants before I send the press. Like it's ready to go. Like we number? have a press release and we have the contact emails. Like we can hit send when we're ready. But I'm, I, I want to hit send when we have that kind of minimum registrants What's because minimum? I don't want the news to go to the page to see what it's about and say, oh, it's only 10 people. <laughs> and there's already more people confirmed to go. 
but I'm kind of trying to twist people's arm this weekend. Like, guys, I know you're coming. I know you've told me you're coming. I have faith that you'll be there, but I need you to like <laughs> register so that I so that we can so that not just I know, but everyone else can know. So I'm I'm waiting for uh, to have a good number on the website, and then I'm gonna hit send, and it'll go out to all of the news outlets. That's okay, good. You definitely need this message out there, then, huh? Say again. You need us to get this message out there for you, then, huh? Yes. If you know anyone in Texas, I mean, just just go nuts. Even if they are like far away, because we have people driving two or three hours to come. So, if you know anyone in Texas, or if anyone listening is in Texas, please, you know, consider being there. Tell your family and friends who, who are nearby, and get them to register. Go on our Facebook page, Humanity for Texas. And go to the events tab and click the event. What I do and what I encourage everyone to do is just go nuts on the invite button. Like I, I've invited like half of my friends list, <laughs> right? Everyone who's in the area and, and I know is Yang Gang, but I just go nuts on the invite button. Um, so anything that you guys can do to help to get the word out and get people to register. So, so, that would be so. Great. What is good uh, for our Yang Gang group is there's a chat group that we have. If you have a tweet that you want us to forward, it's easier if you create one and then we could just share it because we're busy with our own little pet projects. That's one way and we can retweet it. And then um, like there's also um, you could, uh, you know, um, send us the links there as well. And then we could also tweet it out. But if it's in a, a, that, uh, but also... Um, you know, you guys have things on Facebook, right? I'm assuming. Is it is it organized? What's it organized on? Wait. Uh, well, here's what I'll do. Respond. Yeah. You brought a good point about Twitter. Um, I think one of the areas where I shot myself in the foot is we put our social media, like we made the big blast before the Action Network page is up. So I feel like if people, people if they've RSVP'd one way or another, like via Facebook, I think a lot of people think they're done. Uh, so what I'm going to do this afternoon, maybe right after this call, is I'm going to make a new tweet uh, that has the Action Network link. So Action Network is the official, where the official page is. And that's yeah. what I'll use. Good, good. Yeah, it's just easier for us if we have something like that, um, just so we can help you out. <laughs> um, of course, yeah. when this episode goes up, we'll uh, obviously promote our own content with you in it. That's that's kind of a given. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is exciting, though, that you are one of the people organizing, though. There's a different gal, uh, Lauren Tripp, was helping in the L.A. one, but I guess she backed out of, like, some of the organizing. But uh, it, it's so weird how we're all interconnected because, like, um, we're all different walks of life, and we get to do something together that's, like, fun, even though it's, like, pandemic time, and it's, like, that first little introduction to maybe even like who is in my network, you know? So I think it's good for us to meet the, the tribe that we're a part of, you know, and this is a great opportunity for that as well. Um, and when worlds collide, things change, right? Trajectories change. And I think that um, giving the opportunity to um, just meet your neighbors, even sort of, you know, it's, it's good to know that we're not alone and maybe, um, Maybe this person knows someone that you need to talk to kind of thing. And so uh, it actually helps um, spread the resources and helpers to find people who need help, right? And vice versa. Yeah, so. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, this event, just putting this on, has been like, you know, obviously DFW or this Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex is quite large. And so 
you know, I'm always surprised. Every time we do a big initiative like this, I always end up finding people who are super passionate, super ready to get to work. And, you know, they live like a block from me or, you know, like 15 minutes away from my house. And it's like, oh, my God, like, how come we haven't met yet? And sometimes it's just timing. Right. But that's what the amazing thing about this is sometimes you just don't know who is out there and who's like they could be your neighbors or they could be um you know so uh, i have an, i have 10 minutes before i need to hop off for my next uh i have more preparations to do <laughs> so if, if there's any other questions about the texas basic income march i'm happy to answer them i just want to ask you before you go um right after you go just leave yourself a minute to go into our live stream text chat and then type um credit and then your name, and then just any URLs you want associated with this episode, any links, so they'll appear in our search engine optimization bot, which is going to spit out a text file we're going to put on Spotify, YouTube, Twitch, okay. and stuff. So leave yourself time for that, because, you know, that's very important. Um, uh, other than that, does anyone else have anything else they want to ask, want to cover? I just want to repeat, thank you. Like, this kind of organization is what helps really spread the uh, movement the awareness of it, the urgency is seen when people actually show up and bodies and cars in this case, you know, it all makes for a visual that is a lot harder to um, dismiss than a bunch of tweets on Twitter, even though that's helpful too. Like there's a place for that, but it's not the same. There are two different things and one is more um, concrete if you know what I mean. Well, one is a physical reality. The other is just digital, right? We need to step into this reality and have people in this reality see us because they're all on their different platforms. They're all in their own little worlds, doing their own little life. But we need to just be like, hey, you can't not see us right now. I think Carlos said Yang Gang shows up, right? That's high praise, I think. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. There's well, nothing more important than showing up. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank well, you for showing up. Yeah. Well, thank you. Well, I'll do a final round of plugs, and, I, and I'm going to comment on something that Faye said. You know, in the days leading up to Super Tuesday, the day before, the night before Super Tuesday, um, Joe Biden, uh, uh, who else was it? Joe Biden, Beto O'Rourke, Pete Buttigieg, um, Amy Klobuchar, like this huge, like super coalition of people who dropped out just so they could support Biden, right? They all came to Dallas. Um, and there's this place called Gillies, um, this big, you know, like cowboy style, you know, event center here in the heart of Dallas. Um, it was very poetic to me because that, that event space was the exact same event space, the exact same room, exact same building that we hosted Andrew Yang when he came to Dallas and we had 1,100 people descend upon, you know, downtown Dallas to see Andrew Yang. Um, now there were maybe, I think 2000 to 3000 who came for Biden, but you know, what was Biden plus like three, four other superstars. Right. But one of the things that really kind of struck me was I had a conversation with one of the, I, w- I decided to go, I had already voted, but I decided to go ahead and go and check it out and see what, what it was like and got to talk to people. And I met a young woman there who, you know, she went there and she had not voted yet. And she was actually still deciding, right. Who to vote for in the primaries. And so I asked her, like, you know, I asked her a lot of questions about how she decided, what's her thought process, because I wanted to kind of postmortem, kind of figure out, you know, what are some areas that we missed out on? 
And one other thing I asked her was, what was the impact on, on Twitter for her? Because, you know, Andrew Yang was not high on her radar, but she was very well aware of who he was, right? Maybe not very well aware of his policies as much as we do. And so she was, and I asked her, like, how effective was Twitter or how much did she notice Twitter? Because in our space, in our bubble, we were going, like, like blowing up on Twitter all the time. And I, would, I wondered whether or not she took notice of that. And, and, and she said, and again, well, I mean, granted, this was one person's sample size of one, but she said, like, I actually notice every time it's on Twitter, right? Uh, and so I would see Andrew Yang blow up on Twitter all the time because I, I use Twitter often. But at least in my, you know, you know, for me, at least what, I, what my bubble of news, I did not see anything that could connect what was happening online with what I was seeing in my reality, right? And it was still, for me at least, and I know this is not, not the experience for everybody, but for her and for people like her, there was still that get, bridge was missing. I think, I think the bridge, the gap between the blowing up online and who's actually in the race in real life. And so now we know that obviously Andrew is a real person and we are real people. But that was the gap that needed to be bridged for her. And I would imagine that's the gap that needs to be bridged for universal basic income and for Andrew Yang, you know, going forward. And so I, that's why I think events like this are very valuable. So the last final plug, Humanity Forward Texas. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please follow us you know, on as many of those as you want. Uh, our website is humanityforwardtexas.org. You can, on the homepage, you can sign up for the newsletter if you just want to keep up with what, you know, just kind of get to know what's going on. But if you want to volunteer and want to get really involved and want to get a phone call from me personally, thank you for, you for signing up and letting you know about opportunities. You can go to the website and click volunteer and do the full sign up where we get your name, email, phone number, and you can let us know where in Texas you live and how you want to help. You can go to the volunteer page and give us your full information. And uh, that will... Uh, that'll give me permission to call you. <laughs> and yeah. so Humanity for Texas, it's all online. And this is just the beginning of a lot of exciting things. And uh, we're kind of looking forward to the journey, adventure. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for having Shale, Faye, uh, all the great questions, all the great stories. Um, thank you so much. This will definitely be popping in again in the near future. And until then, I'll just talk to you guys next time. You're welcome. Anytime. Thank you for your work. And yeah, we'll see you soon. All right. Enjoy the rest of your conversation. Have a great day. All right, guys. Those are good. Oh, but sweet, huh? Didn't know we only had uh, one hour. Should we uh, uh, continue or do our sign-offs, or what do you want? Um. Well, Ooh. how are you feeling? If, if if you've got a lot of stuff you want to talk about, you can you can unload. I mean, I do. Sure. I do have you could... stuff I want to talk about. Uh, sure. I didn't get a chance to say much either, so I'm sure she'd like to pipe in a little bit before we sign off. Please do. Yeah, we've got time. Oh, thank you, thank you for that, Mia. Um, I'm coming on here just telling about my podcast, um, uh, the Care Worth podcast, asking the question, what is care worth to society? I'm a, a lifetime family caregiver, and I started my podcast because of Joe Biden, <laughs> what he was talking about, what he was going to do for caregivers, which was, you know, a professional grade care, which is a good thing. However, um, we need something done right away with family caregivers who are uncompensated and unpaid and that really bothered me so I, I decided I've got to talk about 
my ears at it. And I'm now just in the advocacy position. My daughter was born with multiple disabilities and I took care of her for 20 years as well as because I was home, took care of other family members. So this is something on my heart. And, and we're talking about the, the basic income march. Did anybody know about the Watt app? That was something that Scott Santens, I heard from him, W-A-T-T Watt app. And you, you put that on your phone, and when you walk, the, your steps count toward fundraising. So I'm in the middle of New Mexico in a tiny little town. I am the basic income movement in my town. So that's what I'm doing. <laughs> that's cool. I didn't hear about that. Thank you. Yeah, it's like W-A-T-T, like, you know, electric watts, you know, and you put it on your app, and then you try. Well, I didn't know you have to turn it on, but you turn it on, and then when you go walking, and I'm going to walk all next week. Um, it counts your steps, and then you pick who you want the fundraising to go to. And I don't know where the funding mechanism comes from, it, but it's kind of like on a par with walking for cancer or cystic fibrosis or whatever. And um, your steps count toward a little bit of money going to the cause of your choice, and there's a number of them. Of course, I pick basic income, but yeah. <laughs> yeah I would definitely do the same. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to look into it. You said it's, uh, there's like a link on Scott Santon's page. Right. I think so. Yeah, it was, it, it, I saw it a couple of days ago. So it was uh, uh, the Watt app, and uh, he might have been the one that put it up there. I'm not sure. Uh, added basic income to, but you know, I, you know, I my car doesn't work, so I can't do a car parade. It'd just be my car parading, and uh, <laughs> you know, so I thought, well, that's no, the one I, thing I could do. do. It. <laughs> do it. I mean, I drive around with words on my vehicle all the no, time. No, no, my I'm car like, is broken. I'm waiting for oh, another stimulus to fix my car and or basic income to fix my car. It broke at the beginning of coronavirus, and we've had help from friends to borrow their car, but I don't think they want me to put basic income all over their car. Or maybe they do. I don't know. <laughs> you could ask. The stimulus news has been very depressing. Uh, mm. That's that's unfortunate. Like it seemed, It seemed like a sure thing at one point, and they just... Republicans, man. Mm. I don't mean to be like Republicans, man, but they they, they are uh, backing off of it. So Republicans, man. <laughs> I talked about in my show the uh, Senate Bill 3784 Monthly Economic Crisis Support Act that was put out by Kamala Harris, Bernie Sanders, and Ed Markey. I mean, it's basically if we got that, it'd be the biggest basic income test in, you know, in the United States. Um, and you know, I don't know if we're going to get it, but I think that we're going to start seeing some really awful stuff. I mean, the only reason why we're not seeing awful stuff like evictions and things like that is just because the news won't point its camera towards that, except that one place in Texas where they did that. But I mean, evictions and I mean, people are at their wits in. This was before we even had coronavirus, the struggles that people have. And I know what, what caregiver families go through. Um, because programs over the years have been cut and, um, now it's really, really hard for right now. I need a equipment upgrade for my daughter and the insurance company. We're in mortal combat with the insurance company about that. I just have to change insurance companies because I gave up on the one that we're working with. And so, uh, you know, this would be the, if we got this monthly support thing, at least the people would see what it's like to, you know, have that support. And then I'm hoping that we get the cute puppy effect. You know, if you want to get rid of a puppy, let someone borrow it for a while and then they keep the puppy. So I think I'm hoping the cute puppy effect would work for <laughs> a monthly support because, you know, as Andrew Yang said, and it was, 
it was shocking at the time he said it is 40% of the jobs that we've lost, the 30 or 40 million, uh, aren't ever coming back. And I think he's right. He would know he's the numbers guy. But I don't think that sunk into people who have lost their job that they have a, you know, 40 to 50% chance that they're, that's it. And that happened to me in the 2008 uh, downturn. I finally decided for my health reasons to put my daughter into professional grade care. And I thought, oh, I'll just go get a job because I had some skills and uh-uh, it wasn't happening. And I struggled and struggled. And I had actually beat, beat myself up being a caregiver. So I qualified, like Andrew Yang said, a lot of people qualified for disability. Um, so I graduated. Oh, I'm going to give my, my age away. I graduated in 1979. And uh, seven out of the 10 people who graduated that year are on disability. Seven out of 10 because of the, the ergonomic problems or they were in the military, whoop, they got injured on the job or they got, you know, repetitive strain injury or back injury. That's a lot. We're, we're not supposed to be able to get social security care. We're 68. We're in that group. And, and, and probably the other few that are left would be, you know, before 68, I've got what, how many years? Well, but anyway, it's, it's what's bad. What's interesting about that though, is that you, um, like, if automation existed, the physical disabilities might not have even <laughs> manifest, right? right? Uh, so it's good that we have automation, but oh, now we're not taking care of the people. Yeah. Uh, we, we're not taking care of the people who were the machines before, and we're just like letting them. Like, ah, sorry, that was like no, oh. <laughs> no, it's no, not. I, I worked in the high tech world, and and I saw you know, that the kinds of jobs that are going to get automated. So my ex-husband was a truck driver and he got hit in the back with a log that hit him in the back and injured his back. And then that's how he ended up not being a truck driver anymore. But those guys will lose fingers and toes and the wreck because they're driving at night and they're tired. I mean, these are dangerous jobs that we'd be uh, losing to automation, but it'd be not losing anything if we had a basic income. I, I believe in that. Definitely. I believe that every job eventually can be automated because every job that exists can be done by a human. And if nature can eventually come up with a human being by absolute random chance through the process of evolution, then us with a guided hand being able to rule out possibilities and not, you know, relying on random mutations, we should be able to figure out the secret to consciousness eventually as long as we continue to survive as a species. So at some point, we will create something smarter than us. And at that point, human work will literally be obsolete. And what do we do then if we haven't, you know, made the decision to see human beings as just human beings and not to require them to have um, some slave purpose? Yeah, you know, what I, I say in the podcast is that we need to support uh, the intrinsic human worth of everyone by right now supporting the in intrinsic human work we'll just go back to doing what we did before and that's taking care of each other and loving each other and caring for each other that's the ultimate job that will still exist in those times but you know like i I like bringing up this one thing about like um horses and how they used to carry you know buggies and they were our Mm -hmm. cars right but now Mm -hmm. we have cars we automated it away now the horse what what happens to the horse Right. We are horses in this reality. And the thing is, um, like, 
wouldn't it be better that we were free and wild and running around <laughs> having a good time? Like, you know, maybe you feel like you have a purpose when you have somebody who takes care of you, brush your hair once in a while. Right. You know, like <laughs> go on a ride together, you know? So, so like it, it gives us time to reconnect with other um, beings, different souls, you know? So we aren't stuck doing something so monotonous and painful. And like it, unless it's creative and you enjoy it, right? You know, you could customize your vehicle because that's just what you want to do, you know, put peacocks up there. But, like, um, we don't even have the time to customize anything we have. We have all these cookie-cutter cars that all look the same, you know. Um, why not let people play around with their belongings instead of, you know, uh, giving them the money to buy it and then putting them back to work so they don't get time to even play with what they have right i think it's just wasteful you know something go ahead oh oh i was gonna just say yeah we are quite like horses you know we it would be better for us if we were free and wild and that's what we want but of course you know the uh the terrible masters of capitalism would still like to do something with their horses what do we do with horses now right you know we still have Mm. we still have them uh and like horses soon perhaps we will provide entertainment and uh something to bet on for the masters of the universe in exchange for just enough food to live just enough space to stand up anyway go that on. was good yeah. <laughs> that was good yeah. without a ubi that is um kind of the direction that i think that certain people would prefer to go they don't believe that humans have the capacity to behave autonomously without leadership in some of those circles so, um, yeah, that is a very real possibility if we do not carve out a sector for people to be able to survive without having to submit to a, um, a certain person's perspective on how the world should be. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, so something I'm, I'm rereading, um, Where Do We Go From Here by Martin Luther King, Reverend Mar- Martin Luther King. Great book. And it was uh, written in 1967, published in 68. Um, I was seven years old when that book was published, and and my parents had very dubious views of of the of the social movement that he was involved in, and, and I'm sad for that um, because, and I'm sad that that movement sort of forgot what he said about the basic income because it was so good and it was so prescient. In 1968, he was already talking about automation, and I'm thinking, oh, let's see, we had ENIAC and a room full of again a whole room for one computer. I was trying to think of the technology, but. We had um, a lot of technology that was happening in terms of stuff that was replacing workers in factories. And so he was already looking at automation being a problem. And then he said about uh, people who were poor and disabled and elderly being brought in not to do something and have a job, but to their job would be to be consumers. Like there's the whole idea of, free trade or whatever is supply and demand. And we forget the demand side is part of the economy. If you save the store, but you don't save the customers, how is that classic capitalism? I don't think that that's real. Supply side economics that we've had since Reagan is not real economics. Um, it's it's just one-sided. And, and you get to this point where we have a million things you can buy on Amazon and you can't afford hardly any of it. It's really dumb. So he was talking about the bring the consumer back as part of the economy. So we were doing like you were talking about fixing up your car and living your life 
and trying to figure out what to do with it, living your best life and trying stuff. You know, I'm an artist, so I try stuff. And then sometimes I'm, wow, that was really great. And sometimes I would never show it. It would never see the light of day. Uh, But, you know, that would be what you could do more of. And everyone could be invited to that process. You could learn what you would like to learn, right? You would be able to um, uh, direct uh, what other Faye called it, um, uh, unschooling, right? So you just like unlearn the way we school and then you just go down whatever rabbit hole you so desire and you find ways to uh, complement that so you can uh, become a master of whatever it is you so desire. Do you like making you know, uh, ninja swords, I don't know, but you would have more opportunity to go down these awkward little side paths because other people love that interest too. And then you could find people that have similar interests and have more time to even spend with people you enjoy being around. A lot of people never even get to the point where they know what the thing they would love to just rabbit hole into is because they are stopped financially before they can get to that process. So that's why, like now, finding your dream, a lot of people don't believe that everybody has a dream that can be found to an extent, you know? Like, I think a lot of people see some people as just drones who don't have dreams, who are just existing, but the reason they're drones is because they haven't had an opportunity to, you know, lead themselves, if that makes any sense. It makes a lot of sense. Definitely. How will we know who we are if, you know, I don't think we know who humans are. We don't. We're not even close to the potential that, uh, and, and to get to that potential, we have to go to this technology route that Buckminster Fuller talked about it. Um, you know, we're, when we get to the point where we're driving ourselves, you know, we're the, the ghost in our own machine, more or less, you know? Well, because think about it. People have been treated like they're not humans, uh, you know, that they are this cog in a machine. And and we we are movable parts, but like realistically, um, we're not very effective parts, right? Uh, and and so like we need to evolve and upgrade the system, and you know, uh, but but like but we're living human beings, right? And and so um, there's a lot of trauma that's actually been created during this whole process of. Um, working for somebody else and not getting your needs met, you know, and, but I don't think we've even known what our needs were, right? Uh, we, we turned to marketing schemes in order to figure out what we need, right? You know, do we really need that thing that has poison in it? You know, do we just ignore that? Uh, you know, but I guess, sure, we'll keep consuming, but, we must need it, right? Um, but realistically, there are alternative routes to most things that are probably a little better and healthier. Uh, we need oil. No, no, we don't, actually. We've found ways around it. Um, but we keep pressing these old archaic ideas because someone's still getting money for them. You know, you could find a king in Nigeria who's making tons of money off of oil and has everyone bowing to him doing song and dance, right? So that they can get a little bit too. Um, and then, you know, but they also get all the money from oil. What happens if that oil is gone? That person loses all of their, you know, cushy life and has to like learn the skills that has been diver- like put into all these other little jobs, right? 
Um, but it's something invigorating and exciting to learn on your own. It's a struggle. It's complicated. You have to have the right teachers and mentors and stuff. But like, I don't know. I think it's attainable, <laughs> especially with the internet. <laughs> if you don't have other responsibilities too. I am going to, you know, when you are dealing with being able to just take care of yourself, you have a lot more opportunities available to you than if somebody's well-being is dependent on you. And that can happen with, you know, elderly parents. It can happen. With, so like we do have constraints that are going to exist no matter how much UBI we give. Some people are going to need to continue to care for other people and are going to be bound and kept from exploring the greater world. And But there are things to find in yourself if you are a domestic homemaker or if you are, you know, if you care enough about somebody, they can become a very integral part of your life and give you a purpose too. Oh, yeah. I don't regret taking care of people in my life. I just regret that it cost me so much. Um, so, for instance, ca caregivers provide in the United States $5 billion worth of care. But everybody benefits from that but the caregiver. And, in fact, most caregivers have to pay out-of-pocket uh, up to 7000 I think the average is $7,000 out-of-pocket to do that care. Um, it's really costing people. And right now with the pandemic, we're finding out that caregivers are the, the first basic um, essential care, healthcare workers who have to be there no matter what. And um, it's just time that we supported that because we're going to lose people. We're going to lose that level of uh, engagement in our families if we don't provide for that. And of course, you know, I think the basic income is the best way to do that. And that's what my podcast is about. Um, I'm, I have to talk about it and I can, I'm, I'm facilitated to do it. And I, I know that a lot of people have a lot to say about it, but they're right up to their chins and people right now. So, and, uh, just, um, kind of switching gears a little bit here because Faye had such, there were a few things she wanted to talk about and bring up before we close out. And we've got about half an hour left now. So I want to make you. sure Faye gets a chance. Cool. Uh, I was writing some notes. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I love taking notes during these podcasts because um, uh, they're so fun to integrate into all the different things I'm putting together. Um, yeah, so uh, I wanted to talk about the fires. That's what I wanted to talk about because, like, it's happening in Washington, Oregon, California, Colorado. Okay, I have family and friends in, like, literally all of those states, right? And so, like, they're all just, like... My brother was evacuated, okay, and, like, he, he has a, a daughter and a wife, you know, and so, like, that was, like, nerve-wracking, but then I'm like, oh, my God, it's not just my brother, it's my friends and, like, other family members, and, like, you know, they're dealing with smoke, and, like, they're scared about that, but that actually wanted me to, uh, like, I, I ended up making a Twitter video, uh, well, I guess I put it on Facebook, too, but, like, when you are in evacuation, you are, or any traumatic situation, let's just put it that way, we'll generalize, you are emotionally vulnerable, especially when it's something so big, right? Because all the information the overload, paralysis by analysis is what they call it, okay? And, and so, like, when that happens, you're going to have extra stimuli coming in, maybe it's a person trying to help you, right? And you're, they're communicating to you, but you're still processing, your mental bandwidth is like, no-go, right? And, uh, like, so, so maybe without paying attention, you might be doing things that are not in alignment with your own values, right? Because you're just like so panicked, not sure what to do. Um, but like when people, 
uh, in personal experience and through stories I have heard, uh, when you are in an emotional, vulnerable situation and someone comes in, uh, like they might want to help you authentically. Right. But, um, like maybe they also have other, um, either unspoken contracts that they have in their mind of how things operate, like ask cash or grass is the thing that's like a people live by and and maybe you've never even heard of that right and so they're like oh i'm gonna help you out oh but i'm gonna need something from you right but they don't say it and and um but sometimes that means you are um maybe uh moves are made on you and you don't have the language of setting up boundaries or limitations of what you are even emotionally allowed to, right? And so, you know, a lot of that work is actually done when you're not emotional, when you're not in a stressful situation trying to register all this bandwidth. You figure that out. You wire it into your brain, and then you, um, you know, you continue into, uh, like, fixing your situation. Um, But maybe you have unwanted arousal, which is a real thing, Um, and because you're you're entering other people's lives and they've been in um, quarantine. OK, so a lot of people haven't had a lot of other people around them. Now, um, uh, amusing experiences from when I was a professional cuddler as well for some of these situations, because you get close to a certain person. Um, but like I noticed that when uh, I was doing my research, there was a lot of like people telling me that when they were in a vulnerable moment sharing something. Like, they got taken advantage of, okay? So, like, uh, and then, like, we have this weird narrative, or that used to exist, I don't know if it still exists, but, like, you know, cuddles mean sex, okay? So, like, if, if that, like, if someone's offering you, hey, do you want to, like, cuddle to make you feel better, and maybe things progress, like, if you don't have any language to set those boundaries with people, um, now, I'm not saying this has happened to anybody I know during these fires, per se, but the world's ending and a lot more, you know, uh, things are happening. Uh, we're, we're vulnerable emotionally. So I'm just doing this PSA, essentially. So I'm just putting this out there. Um, but uh, yeah, so so but as helpers, you know, uh, you know, respect boundaries. Uh, it, it, it is good to not indulge in sexual desires. Uh, when helping anyone vulnerable, because that is when we feel the most victimized and or re-victimized. Maybe we were traumatized because somehow we were in Jeffrey Epstein's like chain of, um, you know, victims. You know, it wasn't just the people who uh, were groomed into it. Maybe it was their children, you know. Um, but so we have so much bad wiring in our brains that uh, during these moments, we're not even making very good decisions. But then if you make one decision outside of alignment with your values, you're going to freak out more. So now you have first issue, second issue, and, you know, and it's a cascading effect, right? And then you're just like so panicked and you're in your trauma and your uh, adrenaline that, um, you know, you might turn to a coping mechanism, okay? Which is okay. It's in some capacity, you know, we, we all have some form of coping mechanism. It's when we overindulge that becomes too much, right? It's not healthy. It's toxic. Um, but like, uh, what was I trying to say? Oh, um, so coping mechanisms. Well, alcohol, uh, the decision-making uh, part of your brain is affected. It's the frontal lobe by alcohol, right? So um, if you have all this chaos, all these decisions, value systems being challenged, and then you're drinking, 
with somebody you don't trust or somebody you haven't set boundaries with, it's only going to make it worse. <laughs> okay. So just be safe uh, out there, guys. This is my little, uh, I don't know. I'm just very concerned about a lot of people. Um, and, uh, you know, if if you do need to meet up with somebody you don't know, try to figure out if someone can vouch for them first. But even then, you need to be able to have somewhere to go. Maybe they say something that makes you uncomfortable. Maybe they're like, well, I, you know, um, this is just my normal thing. Maybe I'm a nudist. Okay. Uh, well, um, that's cool. You could do that, but I'm not going to be here, right? You need to enforce those consequences. If, if, if we can't change anyone else's behavior, but we can choose if we expose ourselves to it, if they, you know, have that conversation. Now, if they're just doing the stuff, you should still leave, right? Um, but, uh, something also happens when, um, so there's fight, flight, fawn, or freeze. Okay. So these are different responses to trauma that, um, that like, this is important for us to know, uh, when you fawn, it's like, you're joking, like, haha, that made me uncomfortable, but I'm just going to laugh it off. Right. Um, but that just means the pushers are able to push farther. Right. Um, and then, uh, like when you freeze, it's a brain freeze. It's all the information has like you're processing. It's like a loading screen. Okay. And so maybe things happen and you don't even know how to respond because you've never been in a situation similar to this. Um, you know, fight, maybe you just get mad and scream at somebody that maybe is even trying to help you. Um, you know, so you're going to be emotional. <laughs> um, but then like, you know, uh, flight, you know, maybe like you're, you're out the door anyway. Right. Um, but uh, a lot of us need help right now. And I think it's important that we feel safe enough to ask for help. Um, but we also need helpers to realize the kind of situation that people are walking into and the kind of responsibility that helpers should have during a situation like this. Um, I know I'm really rambling, but like this has been on my mind a lot. And I was really excited to talk about it on the podcast. Today. So you guys can chime in now. <laughs> Well, I thought um, in particular your suggestion to make sure you always have a place other than the place to go. Like, that's incredibly important to um, have a backup plan when you're in a situation that you're unfamiliar with and having to rely on people you've only probably barely just met if you're like fleeing from, if you're fleeing from a fire, like you're leaving your community to go try and find somewhere else to be, Right. And you are leaving with what's on your back because there hasn't been time for emergency response to get to you. And you're going to people that hopefully that you trust. But if you happen to have a bad support network, you maybe are relying on people you met on the Internet. And, you know, or people who were like, oh, that sounds bad on a comment you made. And you don't know where that's really going to lead until you meet the person. You know, like we can all... Even the worst people can feign being cool for five minutes to take advantage of somebody who's in a bad position. The other thing is recognizing pushing, uh, manipulation, coercion. These are important things to recognize during this time. So maybe the person starts with, you know, just maybe gently touching you. And that was already like, whoa, I'm not ready for that kind of interaction right now. That's when you should speak up because if you allow, if you giggle it off or something and you're not okay with it, uh, like then you've sent the signal to them, but, oh, that was okay. Right. And, and so they're going to respond accordingly. 
but then maybe the next time um, they kiss you without permission or something, and that was definitely maybe a violation to you, okay? Or or maybe maybe they're taking their clothes off, right? When do you stop it? When you've already started, it only makes it harder. And the decision to end it was 10 steps back. So if your gut is telling you get out, trust your gut. It's, it's, the, it's your second brain, right? <laughs> it's sending you signals, um, you know, but that's why, again, it's important to have a backup plan to your backup plan, you know, and figure it out early, you know, maybe Google some stuff if you don't know what to do. Um, if you can figure out when you have more seen space, if you will, uh, then you're better prepared. Caution is mandatory. <laughs> I also liked the suggestion to get somebody to vouch for them who, like, maybe is in a shared circle somehow or something like that, so that that way you've got a little bit more chance of things going well. That's a that's a good thought there. So, um, but yeah, so that that was one thing on my mind because. Um, you know, and it doesn't even need to be during um, a situation like this. But like, oh, okay, so this, I'm going to change trajectory just a little bit because this is also important. Um, uh, so people who um, are on drugs uh, are um, disregarded as less than for some reason. Okay, well, uh, you know, maybe they've made decisions that were terrible and hurt people. Okay, Uh there's still fires trying to kill them, okay? So we need to be able to save these people, too. They are humans. They have value. They're, you know, maybe they're taking those drugs because Jeffrey Epstein's girls was somehow, like, pulled in and now a coping mechanism. Or maybe their brother was shot because of some drug deal and they don't know how to cope, okay? We have so many reasons so many sources of cancer that people have really intense coping mechanisms, but they're still human beings and their brains can be rewired. They just need to get off the drugs and like, I mean, some of the brain, there is damage. Okay. So their behaviors might be permanently changed, but I mean, we have people who had a stroke and lost all their body uh, functions and was paralyzed that uh, rewired their brain by simply, um, uh, doing everything as if they were a baby to motion from a baby to eventually they were walking again. I found this in a book, I think called mastery. I could be wrong. It could have been, I read a lot. Um, but like, so these are things that have happened, you know? So like everything's a learnable skill. And I think, um, even the people who have damage from drugs, I mean, why are they doing drugs? Somebody has made them upset or maybe they're upset at themselves for something they did right and and it's not gonna stop until we start loving them <laughs> it's just how it's like we need to stop ostracizing people because they've chosen drugs um and you know that's important especially since there has been so much dark money raised out there and people are just a number for money uh sometimes so we need to just change our like whole perspective on life a little bit and it's it's now right and that way also when we do get universal basic income we can also be like okay you know now i don't need to worry about you know you taking too much for me more than i'm allowing or i'm willing to give but again that's boundary setting right <laughs> enforcing boundary setting and consequences because then that creates an aversion to that behavior you have to help teach them 
redirect their attention to something good. If they have a child, that's what you should be doing instead of yelling at them. They don't know why you're yelling. You're frustrated because you can't communicate your desires to them when it's not even something they want to do or they don't understand why. Begin with why. You can actually, like, really <laughs> change a lot of, like, people's perspectives. Um, so, yeah. I feel very passionately today. <laughs> Uh, I, I thank you for feeling passionately today. That was a wonderful um, kind of... That was very good. Exactly. Uh, you guys can talk more. <laughs> Are we allowed to talk? Is that a privilege we have? I would prefer it. <laughs> I just ramble sometimes. Oh, I have a question. I had a question. Yeah. What's your documentary about? I, I don't know too much about it. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, so, um, Andrew Yang wrote the book, The War on Normal People, and literally his book is manifesting things into this reality. Now, not saying like, like the causes, he was just pointing those out. They were already happening, right? But people are creating some of the solutions that he talked about in his book. And I've been finding them in the real world, right? They're different, like, organizations, they're different platforms. But really, there's this thing, I, I almost want to call it the Yang effect. I don't know what else to call it. I mean, <laughs> there's better words for it. But it's a trickle down or like a pay it forward effect. And it's so consistent that it's just amazing. Right. And essentially um, like maybe I make a video and people uh, sympathize for me and give me money. Okay. Well, I do something like I've recognized it after the fact, it's almost like I tithe, but I tithe to other people. Right. And I yeah. just like, oh, I got all this beautiful money and I want to share the wealth. So here, I'm going to help you. So, uh, for example, um, I got money recently uh, while trying to get away from a fire, really. Uh, just complaining about the fire. Uh, and uh, I got this money. And then Sherry, who is making some um, products called Face Philosophy, and it's essentially um, self-help like phrases to rewire your brain but they're merchandise so they're kind of like these little mantras you can tell yourself they're just index cards i used to rewire my brain that that's where the source was but it was just things i found on the internet things from the world conversations and uh yeah so i gave money to her and she reinvested that money so that she can make more money so she can get out of her abusive situation she's in right um like She's not like directly with her abuser, but she's still having to deal with a lot of that stuff. And, and it's so bad that she wants to leave her country. Okay. So, so like, I want to help. Right. But, but then when I gave that money to her, she gave money to someone else who got groceries with that money. Right. So all these donors that found this like willingness to help me, you know, I was like, well, shit, I know people who need help. Right. And I gave $200 to somebody else. Right. Um, who lives out of a tent and, you know, like is bought a bonsai tree so that, you know, um, which might eventually be a, uh, a working avenue for them because um, uh, they want to work with somebody who has a bunch of bonsai trees, but they need to see if it can survive on that property, right? You know, mm -hmm. it's tent life and it's, it's <coughs> Southern California. It's a bit hot, you know, it's deserty. And, and so like, um, that's maybe a future investment in themselves, right? And and so like there's this beautiful effect. And um I've been watching it all from behind the scenes. But like when Yang dropped out, he activated so many people. Like, I mean, just that day I saw like, you know, or a rallying of, you know, 
energy. And like, look, now we have car UBI parades, you know, going around <laughs> our country, right? That means we're still organizing. He dropped out how long ago? It's the pandemic and the world's on fire and we're still fucking doing stuff, right? So like, obviously, we are passionate. And it's not just this country either, right? Like other countries are trying to get UBI out there too. So if we recognize how important and how big this movement is, something might fucking change, right? So yeah, I think I know what I need to share. I just honestly, at this point, I need to get like equipment. Um, I need a video camera, like a speaker, maybe microphone, you know, but like a video editor. So I need help, right? With the actual like, doing that part of it which is why i want to like spend some time in la uh because that's like the marketplace for what i'm trying to do right how many people have made movies in la right so uh throw a stone over there versus you know if i was in the uh, middle of nowhere it might be harder to find that kind of resource so is the name of the documentary the yang effect <laughs> i like that just so yeah, i like that yeah <laughs> I mean, I was originally going with the biggest movement you've never heard of, but that's really wordy. I like, I like that one too. Which is the normal people in reference to the war on normal oh, people. People, yeah, I like yeah. that one too. So, right. So now there's all these beautiful names, <laughs> and I haven't started recording technically, right? Like. But I I just had a meeting with somebody who is in the movie industry who, and it wasn't like a meeting meeting. It was like we're hanging out and talking right but like they were like oh because i'm blabbering all my ideas out and they're just like taking them all and be like this is how you put it together it's so simple and i'm like well thank you i have adhd i can't do that <laughs> right like mental notes taken right um so uh, a link to it you could be like 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 i'm i'm doing this documentary called the normal people right that would get that person's attention wouldn't it? it's just a good name i think a it's a name. good name I really hard. feel strongly about. <laughs> you just want it because it's yours. <laughs> <laughs> um, it it is mine, and I do want it. So I don't know. That's all I can say. You should do that thing we used to do when we were in like grade school, where you make those little uh, finger fortune telling things, and you just put all the names that people suggested, and then you like uh, have somebody give you a number and a color, and you just yeah, exactly, Karen, <laughs> like that. Until you get the, get the name, and there's like a little okay. bit of like cosmic fate. A hundred percent going to do that, and you can choose. But I am going to, um, yeah. Uh, well, I, I'm going to record it somehow. We'll we'll do this. We'll do this. That, that would work. I have another suggestion. Alternatively, let Andrew Yang choose. Yeah, you know, <laughs> he hasn't messaged me back yet. <laughs> it's okay. I'll I get think him he would time. choose mine. <laughs> I think it's cool that you would talk about the normal people in uh, LA where they talk about the little people, you know, <laughs> they talk about, you know, that somehow they're set apart, you know, when they get a certain mindset. The small folk, it was in medieval time. <laughs> the small, the small folk. folk, the peasants, yes. What's the the pairing a poor person with a rich person to live together for a week or swap houses. That would be fun. So, so what's fascinating is this person I met has made two movies, right? Uh, and um, like, but they gave me like juicy details of like 
shit that went bad, right? Like behind the scenes of a camera, like what's going on? Like, why is this the way it is? Um, you know, and, and like, so some people just like scam other people. They steal their equipment, you know, stuff like that. Countries cause they can, and then they just, you know, in other countries, prostitution's easier, so they're able to meet other needs they need, right? So I'm just like, whoa, whoa. it's right. tough. Keep going, right? But of course, like, salacious. But um, additionally, okay, so so this is actually a consistent trend. It doesn't matter how much money people make, uh, which is actually very concerning to me. Um, and I don't know how to solve this particular issue because uh, what it is, there's a man and a woman. They made a baby, right? Okay, right. And then uh, these guys got divorced, right? Okay, boom. Now they're gone. And so uh, the father pays all the alimony and pays all the child support or vice versa, right? Uh, and then um, and then the person getting all the money is like always angry at this person. I've seen it firsthand, by the way. Uh, and, and then uh, the child's the one suffering, right? <laughs> Maybe they're going through their own mental crisis because their parents are fighting, right? But uh, also, they're just children. They don't know what's going on. Maybe they're blaming themselves. So, nah, not good, right? But, so now, the guys are getting only, like, one-fifth of their income. Maybe they made a lot of money. I mean, I've seen it happen in male nurses. I've seen it happen in computer programmers. Uh, the movie industry and just your guy working at the hospital. It doesn't matter what their occupation is, right? Like, this is just a consistent effect. And and uh, now now the children might have coping mechanisms or other trauma, right? And then, like, well, actually, most of this is more recent because divorce wasn't as big a trend until more recently, right? But, but like, who really has the money, right? Because even the moms are like... I can't pay bills still, right? Okay, so uh, where is this money going? You know, it's not to the kids usually, right? Sometimes maybe you have a good parent that will do that and maybe not even demonize your other parent. Um, like that happened to my family. Um, and and so like, it's like, how does this all heal together? You know, what? How how is this resolved? Because there's all these lonely men with no money working their asses off for a child they don't get a see. And, and yet the mom is, well, sometimes just crazy, right? I've seen it more with the men suffering than the woman suffering. Um, but it does happen. But, the, but then I also, like, hear about these uh, exes that are talking about, like, I didn't actually commit the crime, but I went to jail for something. You know, that's another thing I hear a lot of. Um, I don't know. These are things that are very reoccurring throughout most. It is family separated and there's money involved that nobody seems to see. It's possible it's going to like administrative costs and such and getting siphoned off um, in the branch line between the two of them. It's very possible. It just feels like such a mystery. Like, what, what is this mystery I'm supposed to help solve, right? But but then there's also all these child trafficking things. There's, like, you know, we keep you from abortion, but we're going to make sure you have the baby, and then now the baby's an orphan, or whatever. I don't, I don't not orphan, but, like, children are just being, I don't know, marketed. And, and trauma traumatized. Go ahead. Oh, just there's, um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of mythology and uh, emotion wrapped up in the idea of continuing to breed the next generation. There's a lot of um, 
there's almost like a militant need to make sure there are enough people to be exploited. <laughs> that that's that's really it. That's all I was gonna say. An interesting like way to put that though. Like we must breed to exploit. But I mean, like we had child actors and they're making money, and then the children are like, or the parents are like, I'm gonna take all this money from you. Even you know that happens. But like people are making money on their kids. Bothers me. If we could have had the basic income from way back in the day, when uh, the Nixon era uh, and that sort of thing, um, you know, obviously it's been on the table for a while, at least in government think tanks type of situations. And it makes me wonder what is their motivation that they, so we would have to look at our current economy as that they, it benefits someone who benefits and that it was that it was created to be the way that it is. Not that it's just, oh, some accident of, you know, uh, whatever, but that it's literally designed. You have to think of it as being designed, in my mind, because it creates human resources. It, so human trafficking really comes from that there's a human resource, that people are a resource to somebody. And so <laughs> keeping an underclass is, is they're marketable. And, and I have human trafficking background in my own life and in the life of my partner. And we talk about this quite a bit is that people are a commodity to someone, whether they're a worker who's a, a wage slave or whether they're literally buying somebody. And, and so like cults and such, or in some religions, it's encouraged to breed just to keep the numbers up of the believers, for example. So there's um, an incentive mm-hmm. to breed, to continue to pass along the word of your chosen God. Yeah, that happened to me. I was raised in a far-right Christian cult, and they married people very young. Like, a lot of people were underage, especially the women were underage, and, and encouraged to have babies right away. And literally, that that was your purpose, and that your way of saving you from being deceived like Eve was and ate the apple and everything was that you'd be saved in childbearing and being a wife and mother. And that was it. That Your whole def- definition of who you were was based on that. That is, I'm so sorry that you were a part of that, <laughs> okay. by the way. I survived, and now I can talk about it. So that's yeah. my way of dealing, you know, and talking about... People to talk about this stuff so we can find the actual, like, solutions to problems, because if we don't know the problems, because we didn't realize that was a particular type of cult happening, right? You know. Uh, but I mean, a whole country's a cult in that same way, and it's funny because they talk about family values, and I'm like, Family values. Where's the money to take care of the kids and the families? Um, you can't value the family without giving them the resources to exist. So, so okay, there was one more thing I forgot to mention about um, all of this, like dad, mom, child, blah, 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 right? Uh, is the fact that, like, the guy makes all the money and theoretically he makes a lot of money that should be taxed and going into the things. And these are the people who are asking me, well, who's going to pay for it? Because all their money is already going to the act. Okay? Uh, okay. <laughs> so there's something. They don't want to pay it because they're already paying too much to the eggs, right? So, like, that's important. That's a very important piece of information, right? Um, but, like, how? Why? Like, what? How does that all work together? I don't know. I feel like I'm, like, playing a video game. <laughs> what, what does our family um, law and structure and everything how does that change when we finally get a significant enough basic income i think it's gonna be very interesting the family structures one of the reasons why they um 
killed the basic income initiative in um, the Nixon era, it wasn't even coming up in the math or the statistics. It was an offhand observation that a lot of women would leave their abusive husbands if they had a basic income <laughs> and uh, not necessarily need a man. That was their fear. So therefore that's what part of what scuttled that whole effort. And uh, uh, what does family life look like? It's you a know, weird priority. Yeah. 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 Um, when we decouple that, because it, it, it is a form of control and coercion. It is a form of slavery because women kind of then have secondary access to capital, which means they can't start a business. They can't, you know, uh, uh, do anything that would be give them agency. Maybe they don't even qualify for a loan, right? Maybe they they didn't used to be able to get one without. Yeah, they used to not be able to get one without a husband's signature. In. Yeah, yeah, it sets up a world of tyrants, you know, and you can, you can perhaps aspire if you're a sort of, you know, that sort of person to uh, be a tyrant one day, and perhaps you'll have your own second-class citizens to push around, and you'll have your little, you know, and it's, people it's dream that, and, they, and they, like, they don't express it in the same bald-faced language, but it, it, it's normative to them, and it's desirable, and it's what they're fighting for, and they think it's not shameful and think it's okay. So, it's kind of like hazing to some capacity. That the cream rises to the top and therefore everybody at the bottom must be the shit on the bottom of the shoe that was uh, used to climb up over to get to the top. When I was a kid, we went to a goat farm and uh, I can assure you the turds will ride to the top too. And they were milking the goats. Things fell in, you know, why you pasteurize, right? The Ugh. turds rise to the top too. <laughs> Sadly, man, that is a new take on that that I will not. See. Sorry to be so graphic, but I always think of that when people say the cream rises to the top. I always remember. Man, that. Ariel would appreciate that. It's a shame that Ariel was not here today. So, well, he was at the moment. He was, but he had to go see Izzy. So, well, we are um, kind of at time a little bit, aren't we? Um, do we yeah. want to wrap up and say our handles? Yeah, it sounds great. Let's do that. All right, cool. Uh, Shale, you take it away. Why don't you lead it today? <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, hello, my name is Shale uh, and uh, my Twitter handle is uh, at Tisdoney, T-I-S-D-O-N-E-Y. Uh, if you have any equipment that you don't need anymore and would like to donate towards me, please message me on Twitter and direct DMs. Uh, that would help me, but if you can't, like, that's okay. I also have Venmo, uh, and PayPal and Cash App, and I really need help with equipment so I can get this stuff, like, out and rolling now that I have, like, a better, completely better understanding of how to make my documentary, because I think the quicker we get it out, the more people we can impact. Thank you. Very nice. Mia, off to you. Okay, um, I am Mia, I, um, I am on Twitter. At Mia Songbird on Twitter, uh, M E A, not M I A, or any other thing you might think of. Uh, I do humanity hangs on Tuesdays and Fridays, and I am trying to type up my credit thing here, so I am going to pass it off to Karen. I have a snoring dog <laughs> under my desk. Um, Aww, <laughs> yeah, the dog uh, on my, camera. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 another time. 
Oh, yeah. Um, my name is Karen Christine Patrick. I have a podcast uh, asking the question, what is care worth to society? The Care Worth Podcast at careworthpodcast.com. My handle is at careworthcast. And thank you for having me come on today. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. See you, Shale. It's just me, isn't it? All right. I always see him typing my credit. <laughs> uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for fighting the good fight with us. We're going to win basic income, and it's going to be really great. Uh, we have Jackbox Games tonight, 7 to 9. You're welcome to come hang out with us on Twitch, maybe on YouTube, but definitely on Twitch, and play or watch. And then tomorrow we have uh, the real Be Serious, Ronnie from Read My Lips News and Politics, a great guy. I'm sure we're going to have a lot of fun and have a, a lot of, a lot of um, stimulating talk with him so that will be four to six tomorrow sunday uh my twitter is s-h-a-e-l-r-i-l-e-y what's that i said eastern eastern yes it's four to six eastern thank you uh so uh until then we will see you goodbye thank you 